This is the Boundless Pursuit Podcast, a show highlighting the purity of the experience without limitation. Each week, we'll bring anglers as diverse as the fish they chase, whether it be from your backyard or your bucket list, freshwater, saltwater, conventional gear, or fly. We're bringing stories and perspectives from fishermen from all walks of life, from across the country and globe. In the digital age, authentic communication and networking is critical, and I'd love to hear from you about show suggestions, potential guests, or general feedback. And you can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find the entire collection of written articles, podcast episodes, and media. I deeply value the feedback ratings, reviews, and support of my listeners. And I look forward to hearing from you. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. What is the baddest fish on the planet? Now there's a debate. You have to categorize freshwater and saltwater apart, I think. And in the ocean, it seems the universal consensus is that the great white shark is the king of all fish. But in freshwater, Now, there's an interesting one, because are we talking size, power, ferocity, the dangers that the fish presents? I think you have to factor the all-encompassing. And there's one species for me that really stands apart, that being the Goliath tigerfish. Like something drummed up in the bowels of hell, this fish is the stuff of nightmares. Like a piranha on steroids, capable of tremendous speed. It's a broad-shouldered monster of a fish capable of growing over 100 pounds with an incomprehensible set of jaws that sends the imagination to a dark place. It's an elusive species that dwells in the low visibility waters of one of the hardest places on Earth, the Congo. And my guest today is David Watmo of Real Monsters, an extreme angler out of the UK who has led numerous expeditions into the heart of the Congo for this remarkable fish. To me, the pinnacle of freshwater species, the baddest of the bad, the one that sits on the top of the heap in terms of size, ferocity, character, and just the difficulty in his pursuit. And David Watmo has run the gamut. I mean, he's no stranger to travel and adventure fishing, having been all over the world in different terrains, chasing different fish, from the monsters of the Amazon to the regions of Asia for goonch catfish in the Himalayas, and the giants of the Mekong Delta. The guy has run the spectrum of monster fish, but the Goliath tigerfish is something of a final frontier in this game. There's no easy going, and at some stage, even the most adventurous anglers seem to stop short of this obstacle. And we talk about the time that David spent being arrested and extorted in Congolese jail cells, surviving severe bouts of malaria, and parasitic fly larvae living in his neck. We dispel some of the myths about the dangers of the Congo while also recognizing some of the very real hazards if one comes ill-prepared. And we talk about his special relationships with the locals who've become like extended family. Now, David's just an awesome guy, a true adventurer, and someone that's genuinely focused on the passion of the pursuit in a day and age where so many people are focused on the cheap thrills of social media affirmations. This is a badass guest talking about the baddest fish on the planet. This is David Watmo of Real Monsters. I don't understand the internet. But anyway, David, all right, we'll just roll into it. I don't have a starting point, but 
appreciate your time. I know that you're a working man. What are you in like construction or something like that? I mean, so I know cute, you man. you work your ass off. So I'm like, man, I don't know how I'm gonna get a hold of this guy, but you know, I've had the privilege of talking to some awesome fishermen from around my country, around some other countries. But this whole time I've been like quietly trying to chase you and what you do because you know, there's like I like categorize anglers in different ways. It's like you have like the competitors, you have the species specialists, you have like creators like that make videos and stuff. But then there's like that other community that's like adventurers. And it's like you're like one of those guys. Like that that is where my like heart lies. That's a my actual genuine interest is more in that than some of the other stuff. Um, but the fish that you I guess I'll say you specialize in it. You're like pioneering this scene that I think, frankly, nobody's ever really had the balls to go pioneer. I don't know what it is, but these Goliath tiger fish is like, geez, man, it's like I'll scroll like Instagram or whatever. And you see, you know, you see all kinds of great fish, but there's just something about that set of jaws that like stops you in your tracks. And it's like every single image is like, viral potential and like for me I like my core level I'm like you know you know i did the arapaima thing not that long ago that was kind of like a dream fish but i'm like that tiger fish represents to me like the pinnacle of freshwater fishing like the single most badass fish maybe even saltwater included on the face of the earth but um man i know you've been around the amazon india across europe asia but i want to know like how you came like across this tiger fish like how did you get on the trail of this particular species you can go back as far as you want but i'm just curious i think a lot of people get to that doorstep and go no nah, i can't i can't go that i can't go that one i i can't go that far <laughs> i'd spent um i'd spent i'd spent a good maybe couple of years trying to chase somebody down in the congo somebody somebody reliable to even get us anywhere close to a Goliath or the logistics or the traveling throughout the Congo, the Congo river and all the rest of it. And, um, it was colorful. I mean, I got in contact with a couple of people, not many took a long time to find the people, long time to get communication going, a long time to get anything back from them. So immediately you're sort of concerned. And then all of a sudden you get a, a, a message in your inbox with a price. And it was just tens and tens and tens of thousands. And anywhere you looked to go into the Congo. So as well as possible un unreliability, Facebook, a friend of mine was watching some Japanese guys who had been up the Congo River, maybe three, two, three trips by this time. And my friend was just slowly, 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 slowly watching. And basically, one day, these guys showed the card for a very brief moment. Right, they couldn't get hold of who is now like my brother, my, my best friend, Kibamba. Mm. He lost his telephone. They foolishly put something on um, Facebook, Kibamba. Please, we're flying in tomorrow. 
We cannot make contact with you. He was on Facebook for maybe one hour. <laughs> he made contact. Immediately, they remove it. My friend had seen the message. That is how it all started. All this now today, where we are, that is how it started. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, that's the funny thing about Facebook is like, you can sit and watch Facebook and Instagram and just start and get kind of pissed off about it. It's like everybody's, it's like a, you know, it's a big measuring contest. Everybody's trying to be somebody, but I, that is a, that is funny how that. For a traveling fisherman like myself, I mean, God knows how the pioneers did it without the internet. And yeah. All the rest yeah. Facebook has been amazing yeah. throughout the fishing life. Yep. It would be. It's um, Fishbook. That's it. it. It'd be deleted, really, if it wasn't for fishing. Right. Yeah, it is a great, like, it's a great networking tool. That's the only thing is, like, I, when I look at your stuff, I know I'm like, this David guy probably gets 500 messages a day. Maybe not. But I'm just like, when I look at the, the photos, I'm like, I bet people are flooding his inbox asking about this fish. But it's kind of hard to tell who the, like, who, the, who the genuine people are, you know what I mean? Uh, out of since maybe my last trip alone, not to the DRC for Goliath in the RC, I've had probably over 300 emails. Ooh. Out of the 300 emails, there's maybe 15 bookings. 15 single people booking. Yeah. Some of those single people are part of a group. So it's it's a good for one, we're not tens and tens of thousands. If you want to come fishing with me for Goliath, it costs you six grand. Then you've got your equipment on top, you've got your visas on top of that, you've got your flights on top of that. It's not for it's not within everybody's budget for a start. <sighs> Sorry, I bloody lost my track there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the price is one thing. Like, maybe it's even the... Uh, like, people get where it's like they they need to have certainty that they're going to catch fish, which is like... Yeah, and which is like, that's not what fishing's about. Like, fishing's... There's supposed to be uncertainty. There's supposed to be something to overcome. There's supposed to be a chance of being defeated. Like, otherwise, you're, you're wasting your time. Um, but I, I want to backtrack too to like the side of it where you're pioneering, because I think a lot of people like try this kind of thing, like what it, you're talking I'm, about. I'm, I'm, I can't, it wouldn't be fair to say I'm pioneering with a Goliath. Yeah. Yeah. In plenty of people up there, you know, but Sure. one day we will have a punt in the South for the Goliath. We, we, mm -hmm. we know where they are, but again, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. When I'm going to the DRC, I'm, I am pioneering and that's the main gig. Yeah. <laughs> if we pick anything up along the way, yeah. Wow, brilliant, great stuff. But for the moment, Goliath isn't the target. I'm, I'm yeah. looking for sure. I'm exploring. I'm trying to get further and further and further and further every time I go. To, <laughs> to, I mean, last, last trip, no joke, this is only a couple of months ago, we were that far up a river system. There'd been no Westerners before. Nobody had even seen a white man before. Yeah. <laughs> we pulled around a slow bend in the river, and there's two chaps in um, in, in a pirogue in a dugout canoe. Yeah. They stood up, 
Two black guys. <laughs> wow, man. These two blokes jumped out of the canoe. <laughs> Swam to the shore like flaming, honestly, Olympics, right? Into the bush. The bush is rustling about. Yeah. The canoe just goes straight past us down the river. They saw the white demon coming down My the river. My friend Jim's like, in Swahili. Guys, guys, no problem. We've got gold beer, gold beer. Yeah. <laughs> He wouldn't even come out of the bush, man. <laughs> Just imagine a experience like that. Yeah. They would yeah. rather take on the water that with crocodiles and hippos in it. Well, I don't know if crocodiles are in there, but it, you know, that's, that's hilarious. So, so this, this Kibamba guy, uh, that's like the other side of it. It's like somebody has to be sort of welcoming of that, you know, that conversation. Is that the guy? I think I well, follow him. Berchano. Yeah, but, but you know. Okay, I, I was like, I don't know how to say his name, but uh, that that was the one I I always see y'all together. You know what? I, and I kind of like that about you. It's like you you you're out there. You got your arms around these like local people, the community people. It's not about look what I've done. It's like this this I don't know. It's like this shared experience, like this this team that you've built out there, or this teamwork. And credit being spread among everybody that's involved that I think makes it so awesome. But I'm really interested about like the region itself uh, because I know here in America, when I tell like my buddies, like, oh man, you know where I want to go? I want to go to the Congo. There's this like, like there's like this initial apprehension, like, ooh, like, oh, that place is, you know, it's, it's thought of as this place where there's just like murderous killers and, animals around every corner that can kill you and maybe there's some truth to some of that i don't know but that's sort of why that's part of why i'm talking to you is you know if there's any myths to be busted maybe you can kind of play that role but there's this idea that everybody there is not friendly can't be trusted scary scary people but i'm kind of interested from like your perspective especially like the original trips there like when you're the new guy still, I mean, I guess maybe you're still the new guy, but like the early comings, like some of the impressions that you had on the place, the people, you know, just the environment, like what it's really like there. It's rough. It's not rough as in the danger is rough. It's just, everything's gone. It's like you say, dangerous animals. Fucking hell, they've eaten most of them. You with me? It's... Yeah. The, the countries that have been through civil wars, the high alert countries, just at the moment I should be in the south in the DRC. Can't go because of the elections. Mm. The trouble what it's caused. Are you with me? Everything's on tension all the time. In the Democratic Republic of Congo especially, there's lots of trouble. But it's the size of fucking Europe. People see the news or they hear one thing in the news. It's Congo, Congo, Congo. It's, I remember a few years back going on a trip, somebody ringing me up saying, fucking hell, you, you can't be going to the Congo. There's, there's Ebola in the Congo. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's in a, in, a, in, a, in a microscopic place on the map compared to the country. Are you with me? Yeah. Everybody's always Congo, Congo, Congo. It's dangerous. It's this. It is dangerous, yeah, if, you, if you're a fool. You know, if you're a brain-dead fool, basically. Mm -hmm. the, the normal people, they couldn't be more friendly, honestly. Give, they won't give you anything, but even like walking down the street, when I was a child, 
I was brought up to say hello to people, manners. Yeah. It's like being a child again there. Everybody says hello to you. Everybody wants to say hi. Everybody yeah. wants to know who you are. In and out Locals people. You can have problems with military. Not many policemen, but the odd policemen. Anybody's got a little bit of power, if you will. Mm. Customs are great for it. You know, you walk in uh, green as grass. First time I ever got in that airport, Mayor Airport at Brazzaville. Business class, first off the fucking flight, got to the um, to the um, immigration. Bloke stopped me just before I got there. Invitation, invitation. Now, I didn't actually have an invitation, which is an official government letter. Yeah. I'd applied for a visa. They'd not told me that I needed an invitation. So I played the dumb white man. I walked past them. I got to the, the, um, the, the booth. Handed all my documents, my passport, invitation. Uh, I've got a visa inside my um, passport, invitation. Oh, inside my passport, invitation. If I was the first person at that booth. So you've got maybe 200 people coming off that flight. Pointed to the back of the airport, about four <laughs> chairs. Go sit up there. Listen, bro, I felt like fucking crying. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> there in this airport. I have my hands in my knees. I can't even use my phone, right? This is the first time I've ever entered the Congo. I sit there for two hours whilst they go through this palaver with everybody. And right at the back of the queue, just going through the booth, there was a family that had white skin. So I went straight over to them. Excuse me, can you help me, please? Blah, blah, blah. I explained I had no invitation. They went, don't worry, you'll get your passport back. You'll more than likely have to pay for it. Welcome to Africa. Oh, my gosh. Now, what is invitation? What now, does that mean? On. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not finished yet. This <laughs> is how unorthodox the fucking place is. Right? <laughs> it's a small airport. I can actually see Kabamba outside the airport. Waving, shouting. Oh, no. Customs, if they've got my passport, everything. Just allow me to fuck off out of the airport, go and get Kabamba, bring him back in to explain everything. <laughs> and he looked up at me, he looked like he was going to start crying now. I said, bro, bro, I'm sorry. He said, they want 100 euros. So I said, no fucking problem. I'd have given him 1,000 euros. <laughs> yeah. I follows him to a room. They're all in there, skull, moody. He gives the 100 euros. Yeah. <laughs> Best fucking friend out of the airport. Oh, geez. Probably good, to have, probably good to have a little bit of walk around money then. Man. Oh, so now, what is the, the invitation part? I mean, forgive my ignorance. I'm not well traveled, but am I. The, the invitation, you, you actually need an invitation for, for entry, for um, obtaining your visa. It's an official document, basically, that's that's stamped up that you get, and it obviously comes at an expense. So they're not so bad with me now in London. I just send my passport and it comes back. On that first time, I never had an invitation. I sent it, it came back. Nobody even questioned it. Now you have to send it with your application, and Mm. they always want it on entry to the country as well. I got you. 
it's saying that you're allowed to be in 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 the Congo. I got you. So now, well, like, there's, there's more documentation involved to go fishing. Yeah. In their silly little rules, that invitation only actually allows you to enter the city, Brazzaville. It doesn't work out in your head, but that's what that document's for. So we have to go to tourism as well and get mm. documents that allows us to be officially, officially let go up the river on a certain day and come back to the city on a certain day. But again, these little rules and things are in place so the government know where you are. So yeah. not for any game for them. It's, there's a problem with you. At least you're European or a Western. Yeah. Or, do you understand? Yeah. It's, they've got a record of where you are. Are you with me? Yeah. Any trouble arises, anything like that. There's been massive political um, issues in the past where people who live there have disappeared into the bush without notifying anybody. There's been a problem, they've disappeared. Nobody can do anything about it. Yeah. At least they've got documentation of, of what you're doing. Yeah. It's all, all money, money, money. Jeez. Now, did you like anticipate? That this like process of navigating through the country, or were you just sort of finding that out as you, you meander through? You would not through? believe what <laughs> I've been through. Because it's not like you went with an official tour agency that had like a, a no. nice setup agenda for you. The the first <laughs> time I actually went to the Congo, we didn't go up the river in a boat. We went by land. And yeah. We went. Oh God Almighty! We went up to a um, district called Gabby which is maybe another 100 kilometres up from my pilly from where, where the lodge is and where, where I fish now, are you with me? Yeah. So I went up our land, and let me tell you, in a beat-up old Toyota. Yeah. A beat-up. <laughs> fucking <laughs> The tyres were slicks. Right? <laughs> there wasn't roads, there was nothing. You were, you were travelling through the bush, man. Uh, but not even bush, bland fields. The, the, yeah. All the time, everything. All the way up, and then we came back down the river from from mm. Gabby. But I didn't have the tourism behind me then. I didn't have any documentations to be doing this. Yeah, roadblock, document checks. You just slip them a couple of cigarettes and a little yeah. bit. You're moved on. Right. I didn't actually know about these official documents till um, I spent a month on the Congo River a few years ago. Whoa. Coming back to Brazzaville, on top of the world, had a really good trip, exhausting, but, you know, a month on the river, it was, it was yeah. good. And um, I got got back to Brazzaville in really good time from camp. I got back about 11, about four hours, and it's, 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 it was just magnificent. Got to the port, policeman come down to the boat, next thing I got arrested. Oh, my goodness. In the middle of COVID. I got arrested at 11 o'clock. I got detained at the port. I Various officials came in. They fucked my passport in the process. Oily fingerprints all over my passport. Ugh. About um, mid-afternoon, we got moved to another police station in um, a, a, <laughs> a, a dark blue Toyota pickup, twin cab, 
with a with a bed on the back, full of military police. They all had their masks on, all in blues, all the shooters. Yeah. <laughs> COVID, it ended up costing me nearly a thousand euros that day. Yeah. All day wasted. Now, are no. you like being questioned by them in a questioning oh, center? Or are they literally bullshit? Absolute bullshit. Because I'm wondering that they put you like in a cell, right? Among oh. other inmates, like yeah, anything we, like we was in an open cell. And what's so comical about it? Bolts, <laughs> bolts. When 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 they've done something wrong there, I, I don't get it. Bolts, and I've never really asked the questions. People get stripped down to their underwear. Yeah, <laughs> you're in a fucking monkey cage with two young lads in their underpants. It's literally a cage. Yeah, <laughs> and these two boys in, in the jockeys. Also, oh, so the uh, Kibamba was in there with you. He was. Well, he in got arrested. Hiding, what was he like? Aid, aiding and abetting, like uh, hiding a fugitive. Like, what was the charges? Well, the problem with Kibamba is, you see, he's like. Um, <laughs> His name is on the invitation, so mm. he's Congolese. He's from RC Congo. Yeah. He's meant to be looking after me. Yeah, <laughs> he was me. So yeah. yeah, they're bringing shit to him as well. Big shit. It, it, it wasn't a nice day out, honestly. Yeah, and I know this might be a stupid question too. Like, what do they? What language are they speaking? Can they are speak you having no talk in, in the city? They speak French now. A little bit of French gets up the river, but it's mostly um, Lingala. Yeah, because I didn't know if you're like speaking through a translator. Like, how are you even like pleading your case to these people? Oh, Kabamba. Well, again, they do know a little bit of English as well. Okay. Yeah. So, me mate, after I, I was. Getting tired of it, honestly, because all day this went on. Well, we was we had a little bit of a day trip because we got moved. And a little bit exciting for me. It was great, you know. Yeah. The deviousness <laughs> of it and the the bullshit. I wish you'd have just said, "Look, I want a thousand euros. Don't bring all the bullshit with it all day long." Yeah. Pieces <laughs> of paper, moving them around his desk. Then coming up with another idea, and then they'd have somebody go and type a document up. He'd come back in with something else. Yeah. In the end, the reason was was because of the amount of time I'd spent up the river. I think it was 27 days. It was just under a month and up, actually up the river. And um 27 days. Right, sorry. The 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 visa before. The, the 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 longest time spent in Congo was 27 days before, right? Yeah. But I exceeded the 27 days, right? So I stayed for a longer time. Ah, uh, okay. It was all to do with that. I don't know what exactly it was, but it was something to do with that. And they basically said they broke the law. They were threatening Kabamba with a million Safa Frank fine. And one year in jail. Oh, God. <laughs> teacher. And they was telling him about me that I'd be getting fined 10 million Safa Frank, which would be 16,000 euros. Mm. I wouldn't go to jail. They'd just deport me. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it was more frightening for Kabamba because he lives there. And yeah. 
Life's cheap there. It's like the jail in Brazzaville. You certainly wouldn't want to go and spend a night in there anyway. I can't imagine. Well, I mean, a lot of like the living quarters that I've seen in the photos look look hard enough. So then I'm like, the prison. I mean, geez, if that's considered well, comfortable, I don't even want to know what the prison looks like. I know somebody who had problems with somebody and he had to get him removed from some land. And they were Belgian, Belgian people. And they had to remove him from the land. Anyway, it, it made such a problem for them. The police had to come up, the military had to come up, and the police asked the owner what he wanted doing. He was sick of him. He said, throw him in the fucking jail in Brazil. Oh, Jesus. Hey, this is true, as I'm sat here. This. <laughs> Within five days, six days, he was ringing my friend Mark up, begging him to let him out of the jail. Yeah. Said, Not going to last a fucking week, man. Mark was like, oh, no, I can stay there for a week. Yeah. <laughs> seriously not joking. He might not see the week out. <laughs> oh, gosh. And these people have got the power to do that to anybody when you think about it. It's, yeah. The people with power are you with me? Yeah. Well, it's like a shakedown, get a couple bucks off of you. That's what it sounds well, like anyway. Oh, each day is a learning day, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If I got arrested that time, I might have had clients out there with me and we'd have all got fucking arrested. Yeah. Now, on top of the client's trip, he's not going to be having another couple of grand in his back pocket. Like <laughs> yeah. He could have turned into a real big fuck up. So, yeah, shit day, great experience, big learning curve. Yeah, something you can laugh about later, but I wouldn't want to. Ah, man. Well, hopefully it's gotten smoother each time, but I don't always get nervous. At, like when they, it, you know, sorry, the, the 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 little cage we was in, it was <laughs> bars, maybe three meters by a meter. That yeah. was all it was inside there. I needed the toilet. And I'm about to say, was, where's the bathroom? Well, I, I needed a, a piss, not not number two, thank God. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> goes to the toilet. There's no toilet roll in there. There's no water in there. So God forbid if you did need a number two because they hole in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so having a jimmy stood at the window and there's bars <laughs> on the window and the, the, yeah. the there's no no glass in the window. There's just bars and I, I just peered up. I, I didn't stand anywhere near the toilet, <laughs> but I, I stuck my head out and when I looked out the window, there was volume of I'd say. Five ton pile of sand, but little whiskey balls. So all the policemen are going in there, they're going for a Jimmy Riddle. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, man. Sounds crazy saying these little things, but (laughs) yeah. No kidding. Oh it's like (laughs) you're breaking down all these walls just to kind of set up a potential operation that you might be able to get some people to come on to have somewhat of a smoother trip but it's uh you know i get so many questions about that area it's like when you spend a month out there you know that that was another thing i was thinking is like you know people are like oh make sure you don't drink the water so and that's the other thing i'm thinking is like well, what are you eating what are you drinking where are you staying at kibamba's house in a random place are there hotels no, I mean, but in the early days i used to stay at kibamba's now i stay in a hotel in Brazzaville, which is 
a, a, a Chinese built hotel. I've been staying in it since they were brand new. It's okay. three years old. It's good, very good. But already you can see signs of wear. You with me? Because it's yeah. it's been built by the Chinese, and unfortunately they, they dominate Africa a bit, and they they go in, they get the prices driven down, all the rest of it, and they the building because they can get away with it there. Are you with me? Yeah, it's all. Money number one in business, but even those boys have got to buy the work. So the hotel, then in the early days, you stay in the village, but there was no problem with the village. It's just the children will leave you alone. They, they, they're there yeah. all the time. Come back <laughs> your tent in the morning, 5 a.m. There's 20 with toothbrushes. David, 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 David. Constantly. So we structured from the village. I, I, I bought some land, right? Now, it was always told that I'll never own it. It'll be on a long-term lease. Mm. Again, I got had over with this land, right? But I had my camp in the bush on somebody else's land, right? That they yeah. sold to me as theirs. So we was up in the bush for a while, camped up, just a bush camp, great. Many insects living in the bush. Are you with me? Yeah. Now we've moved down to the lodge. So there's, there's a lodge there that's not had much TLC in the last 20 years. I mean, it's beautiful. We're just in the motions of fixing it back up. I've got a partner now, Hilly Ann. So she, she, her and Mark own the lodge. So they, um, they come on board with us to give us support. We've got full access to the lodge now. So there's improvements all the time. It's um, it, it's very, very, very nice at a lodge. And it's not like you're staying in a lodge where you've got five-star beds and this. Yeah, this yeah. There. We're going to put tents up inside your own privacy. Or you can sleep on the terrace. I'll know where I'll be sleeping. I'll be sleeping on the terrace down there. But again, it's just bush life. But you've, you've got buildings there now. Are you with me? Yeah. And are you just are you just like are you just like packing up food from town and doing your own cooking? I go to the European, I go to the local markets and to the European supermarket. Now, bonus on top of that is obviously we 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 eat fish there as well. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's we I've I've been on some gigs fishing. I'm diabetic, type one diabetic, so I always need a bit of food. Mm. But I'll tell you what, I've eaten some fucking shit on trips. I'm really yeah. shit. I think I'm fucking five star. <laughs> yeah. No joke. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I didn't know, like, when you actually get to the water, you know, kind of, we're kind of making our way there. But it's like, are you, when you're spending the day fishing, are you starting out, like, in town and then finishing your no, day back in sorry, town? Or is sorry, it like... Right, right. <clears throat> Arrival in Brazzaville Airport, yeah? Pick you up from the airport, take you to the hotel. Mm. Night in the hotel, the day after, make our way either to the boat club or the port, and we leave by boat. Be a big wooden pirogue, yeah, twenty-five horse engine on it. We're going up the river, right? But in between Kitasha and Brazzaville, there's a massive area where the river widens, sandbanks, all sorts. Takes you a good. Good hour, hour, one hour thirty to get out of there. We're no trouble because remember the sandbanks are shifting all the time. Yeah, 
water comes up, goes down, things are all in different areas. From Brazzaville up to Maipilly is, I think, 70 kilometres. We're laden with gear, we're going against the currents. The quickest it's took me is seven hours. The Ooh. longest it's taken me is about 12 hours. Sheesh. So when we were arriving in Maipilly, before we was having to make it up to the camp, which is elevated, and then we'd have to I'd have it all cleaned and everything ready for, for arrival. Then after a day on the water, you'd be setting the camp up with me, which I, I run around like a, a, a Tasmanian devil, but it's, it, you've got to help. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. Basically, get some food, head down, get to sleep. Next morning, you're out at 6.30 fishing. You're okay. out water from 6.37 up till 5 o'clock or whenever you've had enough of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I went then back to the camp tea and just keep repeating the process. In the yeah. mornings, the boys get up at four, I kick Kabamba out of the tent because I sleep with Kabamba cuddling. Kick him <laughs> out of the tent, eggs, coffee, that's your breakfast. If you want some lunch, get some lunch. We'll sit and we send it out of the boat. And then it's, it's evening meal, isn't it? Back yeah. to the camp. Yeah, like when you just when you talk about like a seven or twelve hour boat ride, I've seen the photos of the boats y'all are in. And I'm like, <laughs> shit. Well, all right. They literally look like they're held together with duct tape. The bottom oh, is this... man. It, it is great. Yeah. <laughs> got the boats because yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of abuse about the boats as well. Yeah. But me tell you, <laughs> they are fucking perfect. Yeah. <laughs> perfect for fishing for life. They're unbelievable, those boats. They're about 12 meters long. You 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 fish off the shore, so you're at 90 degree angle off off the shore. Okay. Very 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 stable, and two of you fish off the boat at the back of the boat. At, the, at 12 meters out, you're in 25 up, up to 25 to, to 40 meters of water, right right off the back of the boat. Oh okay. Yeah, because so, I was like, I noticed the bottom of the boat just looks like a flat board. Flat, Is the flat, bottom flat. of the boat that flat? I was like, that'd be a rough ride. Flat. flat. Jeez, I'm wondering what kind of like engineering uh, they have out there if the boat starts giving you. I was going to have my own made a couple of years ago. Those boats, I have exactly the same boats, but they're not mine. And I was going to get taken up the river to go and see a boat builder in the VRC. He he only wanted about 400 euros to make one of them boats, but he told me it could be up to 12 months searching for the right wood now and the mm. right tree to make that boat. They, they're unbelievable. I love them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like the photos that you've taken of the other boats they that are out there. shockingly shit. Yeah, I like the ones oh, with the sails. From it. I like the one with the sails that look like they're made out of pillowcases and towels. And... Homemade, homemade gates. Oh, it's just... I don't know. There's just something about the character of, and then I, you know, and like every guy that you've taken photos with or of, they all look like athletes. They all look, they all look like they're in shape. I'm like these people. Wow, man. That simple living. Yeah. Hard work and simple living. Yeah. They sustain themselves small fish, cassava, yams, fruit. 
and fruits available. You yeah. know, it's, it's like pineapples. Got all my. They take nine months to grow a pineapple. Right. <laughs> two sackfuls. It's a treat. Are you with me? Yeah. There's, there's, there's not a, a major amount of fruit available, but mm-hmm. there are little bits of pockets in the jungle and one thing and another where they can obtain stuff. But again, it's a major treat for them. So back to basics, fish, vegetables. Yeah. Now, what about like the wildlife? Because it wasn't that long ago you posted a video of a hippo that was like coming yeah, in hot. That's where I go pioneering and exploring. You, you, okay. You're different gravy down there. It's And it's not, there's not heaps of it either. Because again, everybody who's living in them villages, they want to eat meat. They're not going to go and kill a hippopotamus or something like that, but general wildlife, there won't be much of it at all. Yeah, yeah. because I look at that boat and I'm like, I don't know if a hippo decided to come up on that thing. That's that's, that's the the second year on the run then twats chased me. But (laughs) my wife went nuts because you can clearly hear me on the video trying to get my friend to slow the boat down. Yeah, because <laughs> I wanted him at the back of the boat, choking. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one here. Yeah, but yeah right, man, Christ, they're crazy creatures. Now, I've seen on the main Congo River, there's a solitary male, but I've only ever seen his appearance once, and I didn't actually see him. I got told he was on a sandbank, and I went down there, and there was just the enormous hippopotamus feet, but. When the they're angry buggers, that family of them, you just imagine when you're really old and you're grumpy and you've lost your yeah. family. They, they, they don't want bothering by anybody. That could be a very dangerous creature. But yeah. because of the, the way it is there, and he knows there's a chance of people will kill him to eat him, he's not stupid, he's gone. Yeah. The, yeah. On the the main river, you see birds of prey. Um I don't know what you call them. They're, they're like a miniature mountain goat. You you see the odd few of them, but yeah, you, you again you're not going to see masses of wildlife up from Brazzaville and the main Congo River. It's yeah. just, just not there. But you do get surprised. And I mean there's a there's also a tributary that comes in the Green River by Billy River. That's unbelievable when you go up that, but it's a very, very it's it's narrow and it's very fast flowing. And believe me, it's dense jungle up there. Yeah. Yeah, because I noticed like your photos are so interesting because you know, you see other tiger fish operations as there's like a some fly fishing group out there, but hey, it's Ed and Francois. They they it's um that's Goliath Expedition you're talking about. Okay, is it? Yeah, I can't remember what they were. Yeah, nice guys, but they're just doing a totally different thing than me. Yeah, uh, is that the same species? Because it's it just looks like there's something different about the ones you catch, other than the fact they're so much bigger. They're fucking bigger. That's all. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That might. It's just. It's not. I'm like. Is it the same thing? Because the water you're at too is like big, big water. Like you're like the the Goliath live. In a lot of the tributaries off the Congo River. It's okay. There are elusive creatures, but they are there. Are you with me? Even in the, the DRC where I've been pioneering, I'm showing the picture to locals. I'm showing them the tortoise in the boat. Look, yeah. they're different. No, no, we, we know this fish. We know this fish. Okay. So he's about, but th- those guys, 
fucking hell, they put their lives into that. They've done some really good work. You yeah. Know? And also, the, um, they're protecting the place as well. Yeah. They've got a massive, massive section on that. I think it's the Chico in um, Central Africa. And they're also protecting it. But it's totally different from the Congo River. You can, there's just no comparable. You're yeah. in a lone, small river. You're with me where they are. Yeah. You find them in pools, basically. Yeah, because I'm then, thinking like in smaller tributaries like that, like most seasoned anglers know how to read a river like you 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 can get a general idea of where like a predator is going to be staged whether it's in america or it's the other side of the world they all kind of follow the same rules but like in those giant ass sections of the river where you're at where the water's so big like how do you how do you decide where to fish like i mean it's like i look at some of your photos and it looks like you're just needling a haystack i mean how are you finding like are they in like deeper water do they stay in one area or are they constantly oh, moving? Fishing below the surface, live baits below the surface. Now, you can get them out in deeper water. You can get them anywhere. People are like, oh, well, it's a girl. Hang on. It is a predator fish. It eats, sleeps, fucks once a year. That's it. Yeah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> you with me? Doing the same thing as any other fish. I've had them on laws, I've had them trolling, I've had them on live bait, I've had them on dead bait. It's the primarily thing is to get that rig right. Listen to what I tell you. Mm. Catch fish. Snooze, you lose. There's another one. You know, you can't really take your eye off the ball for any amount of time. They'll always, always, like any other fish, come when you least expect them. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're not on the ball with the Goliath, you're not on the ball with the first, you're not making contact with that in the first five, eight, ten seconds. Fucking forget it. Yeah. They're, they're bastard fish. They're bastard cool. fish, honestly. You, immediately, they'll, they'll power up, they'll eat your live bait, they're straight out of the water. Immediately, they know they're slacklining you. Are you with me? Wow. The best way to catch a Goliath is, is to actually sit there with your rod in your hand, which mm. I actually do. Not a closed drag, but heavily tensioned. Are you with me? Yeah. Well, I mean, I look at a fish with a mouth like that, and I'm like, I, I can't see a circle hook. And maybe I'm wrong, but I look I'm at that. Like, I'm trying to. I'm trying to yeah, I sorry. can't see a circle hook working on a fish like that, so you I have to be ready. Everybody's like, oh, well... It, just yeah. listen to me. You'll catch yeah. one. Go and do your own thing then. No problem. Yeah. I've tried it all. Everything. The only thing I haven't, and, and I'm not a fly fisherman, it would be, it'd be a major achievement to get one on the fly. But again, you'd have to do it really heavy methods. Going back to the Arapaima about being so fickle and, and dying so easily. Mm. The Arapaima is a, very similar creature to the Goliath. He's very inquisitive. Yeah. Very inquisitive. So the fly fisherman, I, my own theory for fly fishing is you would have to drop that fly within a couple of meters of the Goliath. And it'd have to be a heavyweight fly, maybe a rattle attached or, are you with me? Just yeah. To, because he'll come. You can stamp in the boat. He'll come. 
Like in, the, in, in an arapaima. Yeah. Sometimes you're releasing a fish, and the, the arapaima, they come around, you, you see the air bubbles. They want to know what's going on. They're eating machines. Yeah. <laughs> Goliath loves it too. He's in the same league there with him. Yeah. Well, when I look at like the shape of their body, like they just, they have that. They're very thin. Yeah. This is the, I'll tell you another thing that I'm going to tell you now as well. I weigh every fucking single Goliath. Every single one of them. There's no arguments. I, I, I was going to call them wankers then, but I'll just call them what they are. They're celebrities. Right? Yeah. 52 kilo. This, that. You can make a 20, 25 kilo Goliath look like a 50-odd kilo fish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got a 27 kilo one that I've got a photograph of, and it's just... It's ridiculous how it's been caught with the with the camera. And you've you've got a fish there that you you know is not going to go back. He's he's getting fed to the village. You can spend as much time as you want photographing that fish when it's mm. freshly dead. Are you with me? Yeah. It's, we take many 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 pictures, and then before you know it, you've got some unbelievable money shots because they're very narrow, but very very narrow the girth. Are you with me? Yeah. So and and a lot of fish as well. They'll grow to like, uh, you'll catch them at 13, 14 kilos and they can be 120, a meter 20. Mm-hmm. You can catch them two and a half times the size of that and they'll still only be one meter two five, one meter 30. So yeah. they've got and then, are you with me? Yeah. It becomes more girth than length, but. But uh, what yeah, I'm saying though is like, not, not good height, height. Man. Yeah, yeah. It's just body mass. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, what an impressionable fish! If you want a cool photo of a fish, it's a guy. Oh, I think they photo. I think the photos of them are probably. I mean, it's some like the most photo worthy animal that swims. But um, but I look at like the shape of their body. They look like they're just built for like tremendous speed. I don't know if that's like powerhouses. Your your initial run is yeah. incredible, incredible. But then there's such a precious fish to lose. I release the boat immediately. I chase the fish. I did, okay. I'm on top of him immediately. Are you with me? I'm not. Yeah. You're not talking about. I mean, <clears throat> I've caught <laughs> heaps of them. Absolutely heaps. But I've had bad times with it as well. You know, I've had one fish in ten days. I've gone mm. five days without receiving a take. Do they give you any indication that they're there? Like at least no, with an arapaima, no. you see bubbles, you see no. rolling. No, nothing. So it's just oh, so that's rough because I like it, at least first thing in the morning, and it's it's hit and miss. This you'll see the small fish jumping. Yeah, yeah. Now. You'll you'll see him giving it this like they do when there's a predator about, but it doesn't mean he's there. There's yeah. also many small Goliath. It's odd on the main river. There's fucking the Goliath are breathing like mad. They're, 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 honestly, you, you will never wipe them out ever. You with me? The locals can't catch them. They're there on their own. They're untouched. Mm-hmm. They're breathing away. Uh, are they schooling fish, or they're like yes, more of a solitary? Okay, the, the, the tortoise especially—they're like fucking cockroaches. 
Goliath, like cockroaches. You know, you, you've spoken to me, friend, um, Graham Lawrence, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, several Being times. Graham in the bowl. He would do me, I didn't, right? Because his little lip cut out like that. What happened was amazing at the time. His first fish on the first morning, right? <laughs> then he sees me catch two bigger ones than him, right? One being a, a, a very big fish. Now, when you're on an 11, 12-day trip and you've had your first fish, your dream fish, mm-hmm. it's very elusive and hard to catch in the first few hours. And then you've watched your mate who's took you there catch two. Yeah. It's going to start boiling any man, isn't it? Graham, there was a... The green mamba snakes, green mambas, they're black mambas and green mambas. Yeah. I've gone messing about with his green mamba on the on the side. Maybe oh, I was frightened to death of snakes. I, I wouldn't mess with that thing. Oh, I, I, I know, but I, I was yeah. messing about with him anyway. Yeah. These, these, my lads try and kill them all the time, but that's typical Africans. They're, they're so superstitious and frightened of snakes. Yeah. I'm frightened of spiders, believe it or not, but these boys... If I ever get them with a snake, the day after they get me with a spider. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Poking about with GoPro in his face. And um, I just looked up and Graham's up. Straight. I'm just straight active on it. Jump to the fucking get me in the boat. Get out of my way. Out of my way. Get a boat out. Get a boat out. <laughs> my rod was at the back of the boat. Whilst Graham was playing his fish, boom, mine got snatched. Uh. It's definitely scrolling about it. Well, the big ones, the, the bigger ones, I think the congregating for mating, mm-hmm. I think they they I think this, I know, I shouldn't say I think, I know that they're spending time together afterwards, recovering, I don't, I don't know, but they're, they're definitely presently there, the big yeah. ones. Apart from that, I think they just disappear off on their own, the big ones. Because okay. I've had, I've had, I can't say more, but I've had, I've had, a, I've had a few big ones now. Maybe half a dozen that are classes big, and sixty-five percent of them, I've had them out in open water. Mm-hmm. Out, Are you with me? There's, there's no reason to scold about out there. Are you with me? They're just, yeah. I just think they're solitary predators. Then, like, and I, I do know this from my own experience with very big other species, they disappear down to the depths when they're older and they, 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 they're getting ready to get the, the build their pension as bus pass and all the rest of it. Yeah. And the same with the Goliath. The Goliath the, all the tiger fish, the teeth, they're like sharks because they boil the heads. I have boiled the head in the Vitas as well. They keep reproducing. But eventually that stops. I've caught Titanus Hartus with no teeth at no all. No teeth. Oh, that's interesting. And um, the same must happen with the Goliath, but I've I've never caught one off the bottom. You yeah. Know, I'm sure they will disappear into big day balls afterwards. Yeah, like when I look at the jaw structure of those things, I, I mean, <laughs> there's like no other fish out there that really engages the imagination. Like, I mean, our alligator gar kind of that, like, I mean, geez, look at that. When you look at that, the mind goes a lot of different places. 
And it's all like, what are they eating? Like, why would they have teeth like that? Is it for slashing? Is it for whole? Are they just biting and holding? They all obviously I can't move the mouth of this, but they uh, yeah they, they, they integrate that those those are fucking sharp teeth. What's in the mouth? That one. Jeez, it's so but interesting they, how the top jaw also opens. You can see here it, it, they continue right around the scissors. Yeah, I think it's interesting how the top jaw also flexes open, they, they like double jawed. Yeah. Winged. Now, how are they feeding? Like, are they flying by and slashing and wounding no, and then leaving? No, or? Not, not them things, no. But the, the tartars do. The tartars go for the slashing and prey around sometimes. Okay. But those, they, they're hitting them at high speed. So it's, Are they just immediately consuming? Or is like like, you, you wonder, like, the purpose of the teeth? Are they biting and holding? Well, so I know the, have, what I've heard is the hookup race. Yeah. They're living off small fish. Yeah. Remember, I, the the fish don't they don't they don't release back. It's as simple as that. It's not because I'm a barbarian or anything like that. But these these fish don't go back easily. Like I've touched on earlier with the arapaima. Mm -hmm. If you don't want a goliath to die or a goliath of any size to die, it's very simple. Don't fish for them. The fish themselves, we feed them to the village. I keep the heads myself or clients take them home. It's a wonderful trophy thing. Yeah. None of the fish are wasted at all. They're all fed to the village. But I also dissect and I look inside the stomachs of everything. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Now, again, and this is an interesting thing. My friend's a commercial fisherman, and I've... I'm not saying I've caught hundreds of fish open, but I've, you know, I have had the odd large fish in species die on me, especially fresh water in the UK as well, wild legs. And I've I've also caught them open. And it's not often you actually find something in the belly of a fish. I've found in these, and it's only a couple of them, I've found small fish like that. Yeah. Mm. it's interesting the, like so i know you bring a lot of them back to the villagers that's the other thing i wonder like you, you mentioned or you alluded earlier that they're kind of superstitious about things what is their perception of that species of fish are they like afraid of them no 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 okay no, i don't know you look at that like no. i don't know here in america all our fish that have teeth everybody thinks they're evil killers no 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 um in history, yeah, people have been attacked by tigerfish, by avatars. I mean, even Oof. your fucking laws are 30 quid each. You get them caught on a, on a branch, you go in for them, and we do do. Just take all your jewellery off, everything. They're the avatars. These things, I think the only way you get attacked by one of these is if it was mating season and you, you actually cornered them somewhere. I don't think this fish has got any interest to go anywhere near a human. Yeah, with the 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 Wade story with the river monsters, I've fished in in remote areas around the world where local people are really pissed off about this program because it's all the danger, the danger, the danger. Yeah, they fucking fish for fuck's sake. It's not a werewolf, is it? Do you understand? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the problem is in some of these places where there's no opportunities. And places that are hard to um, 
hard to make a few quid. The problem is now tourism in these places where are on the the, um, the, the, the television programs, danger, danger, danger. People are suffering through that. Because uh, going there. Do you understand? Yeah. And I've been factually told this in some of the places. Yeah, so they've been scared off by these TV programs. Exactly. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, you know why they have to. I mean, he providing entertainment, I guess. Yeah, that's all it is. It's this sensationalism because people like drama and horror well, they're, stories. They're very intelligent with what they do. I mean, fuck me. I prefer to watch yeah. um, River Monsters and fucking Coronation Street or a soap or something. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to be a fisherman to, to enjoy these programs. But right. These sort of programs have a massive audience in places like South America and stuff like that. Are you with me? Yeah. And, like I said, it's sort of again. You asking me about them, this this deadly looking fish. Does it attack people? Does it does it bite you? And one thing and another. No, it's a fish. Now, I've asked similar questions to other guys who've traveled to remote places and and their interaction with the locals. These people, when they see somebody like you or or the guys that you're now having come with you that come all this way and spend all this money just to come chase a fish like what is there are they re, are they recognizing the potential that they have here like oh man like this there's some value in this animal of course like there is of course there is but they they can't it, it's it's not in the makeup to do something with it are you with me it's yeah. like even communication it's it's it just ain't going to happen. The, the only tour operators who take people, I think there's three from the DRC on the same river, but just over the river. It's a different country, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And there's about three guys there who did it, who who, who take people fishing. Um, again, it's, it's a similar cost to what, what we, we charge people. Mm-hmm. And, um, They've been fishing it for many, many years. The, the names are even in that Glad Tiger fishing book. So there's... They've seen the fishermen there, but they, I just don't think they've got, got the nows to do out with it. I really don't. Yeah. That's it's, interesting. It's unfort- unfortunate thing. I mean, Mr. Bryce Kabamba, like my brother, I mean, he's... he's, he's for a... For a Something that meant something for for life, not just for for now. Oh, I'm still here. Sorry, I, I don't know why my here. camera's doing that, but I'm don't worry, I'm still here. His daughter's actually got my family name on a birth certificate. She's actually a Watmo. Oh wow! Yeah, it's um, it's a crazy, crazy relationship, honestly, but. Real Monsters was only set up to help him out. Kibamba's very, very highly educated boy. He's one in a million for Congolese. Um, he's grammar school education, university, can speak four different languages fluently. He teaches in a school that's about an hour out of um, Brazzaville, which he teaches sort of pre-university children. And um, even with a fisherman, he's not a fisherman, but he's got he does all the logistics with the paperwork, dealing with the, the invitations and the tourism. And my other boys actually 
do the rest of it regarding the boats, the engines, all that side of things. But Kibamba's fucked with Army, bless him. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> it's like now he's took 2024, are we? Seven years to get into the position where he's going to meet clients out there. Are you with me? Yeah. The thing is, there's a big difference with me. Um, there's, there's no financial intent from me out of what I do. Are you with me? Right, yeah. That was, I've never been in it for money. So last thing I want to do is have clients going out there without me and there being issues or them not yeah. having a great time or whenever people go there, because it's only a minority of people, the community of traveling fishermen, it's in the hundreds. It's not in the thousands. Yeah. It's, it's a niche little it's, thing. Yeah, it really It's easy to recognize certain individuals there's like guys like you guys like graham guys like a lot of these people it's like i've been watching them from the outside for years but um but yeah it's i think at that level when you start doing that caliber of trips there has to be a real genuine deep deep passion that like goes yeah it it has i think obsession passion yeah i don't know but the, the i'm on the level now where I've, I've been all over the world. I, I I can go anywhere I want. Just got no interest now. It's yeah. Congo, 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 Congo. And even earlier on when you, you first mentioned about people being frightened, is the wild animals, is the this, is yeah. the that, because of all the bad press. My father was a master mariner in the Merchant Navy. Um, he's, sorry, he was a captain in the Merchant Navy. Then he was a master mariner. He's 17. 172, he still travels the world, he's been absolutely everywhere, and he still scratches his head why I'm going to the Congo. Every yeah. single time he comes to my house, is there fucking something wrong up there with you? Yeah. <laughs> Would I be going there, right, with a beautiful family and two young kids if I thought I, was, I wasn't going to come back? Right. I, I wouldn't be, would I? Yeah. As simple as that. I don't know. It's 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 very interesting to me knowing that you've gone to some of these awesome places. Like I know you've been in the Amazon. In fact, your photo, your photo, and I know this is kind of a random point, but your photo of uh that jowl that you caught, it's like black. It's like this dark. That is the most bad. I think of all the photos I've seen of that species, that is like the most spectacular shot of that fish. But I'm like, big fish shot, you know. Yeah, but this place has like, I don't know, garnered most of your attention. So it makes me all the more interested in knowing about it. Um, a little bit going back to the fish though, like that skull when I'm looking at it, it's like, you know, I've I've read about it. It seems the general consensus is that it's it's hard to hook the fish and it's even harder to keep them hooked. Is the inside of their mouth like is there no soft tissue in there? What is it? Like solid it's, bone? It's all all bone. All Ooh. bone. Again, it's you, you use multiple hooks, use a stinger. Okay. I don't give a fuck if them hooks are in its mouth. You just want to snag the bastard. Are you with me? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. line of it, if you get them in the mouth, happy days. I get one in, one in three in the mouth, 
one in four in the mouth, but mm-hmm. you've probably not got a major stronghold in the mouth. You maybe have one in the mouth, maybe one in the scissors, and and, and one in the 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 upper body. You with me? Now that is an interesting topic. I you know, I I'm probably in the same mindset as you. Because if somebody dares and say you snagged that fish, no, it's a big difference between foul hooking a fish that was actually trying. Yeah, it's it's trying to consume your bait. It was hooked as a result of a predatory response to what you put in the water, not casting out, reeling, and just like hoping to. Completely different. So I wouldn't give a crap either if I had my bait on a hook or my lure was on the top of their forehead. The majority of laws. And you got it as a result of its predatory response to what you were throwing, which is the whole point. So it's like inside the mouth, outside the mouth. Yeah, I've, I've never been a big stickler on that. If people want to add extra wrinkles to what I don't know, I think it's people trying to give themselves more credit. I don't fishermen are a weird or a weird group. But, um, you know, I think about sitting there and and waiting i don't know five days ten days to finally hook up <laughs> i can't imagine the heartbreak if you like come all that way and then lose it but again like you said that's that's kind of part of it when you're fighting them though are you really playing that fish like or is it like a battle to get them to the boat as quickly as possible uh, uh, all my equipment's super like, strong you with me? I'm. I'm not. Oh. I'm not playing a game. You're like lockdown, drag. Leash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking. I, I want that fucking fish on the boat as quick and as as as, as easiest and quickest way of, of doing it. Mm-hmm. And now, just a little bit more about what happens after catching the fish, because I almost wonder what some of these folks would think if you if they watched you catch the fish which represent, I don't even know how many mouths could be fed with a, you know. Well, uh, uh, let's say 25 kilo. I used to take the whole fish and dump it at the village. But again, the chief, the man with the power, don't get me wrong, nice people, but because Mm. they've got that little power, they keep more for themselves. So what I do now, I've got every single house wrote down in a notebook. I think there's 44 houses in uh, my pillage. And I cut the fish into steaks and I hand deliver it around the village. Oh, that's that's see, that's awesome. Because yeah. on the flip side of that is, let's say you're releasing them. I would wonder what, how, you know, it just seems like a right. bad gesture. It's like here's a guy who had an opportunity. Like we work so damn hard just to get something to eat, and he comes all this way, gets the fish, and just puts it back. Like I would think that they, I don't, know, maybe they don't get offended, but I'm like. I would sort of wonder how they would receive that sort of gesture. Pissed off on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's not the reason for, for, for giving it them. It's just not at all. Right. But, well, I imagine that you're, you're probably a guy that they recognize immediately whenever you come back. They probably know. Years ago, I've, I've um, snagged whatever you want to call it with a fish. Right, fish was on for a bit. Gone. The fish must have gone belly up, and it actually washed in in an eddy at the next village down from my pilly. The fish don't survive. They they they'd either be 
they'd float or be wasted or they'd be gone off by the time they get down there. It just doesn't work, honestly. And it's even, I don't want to talk about them, but the TV programmes again, it's for a reason. They, they just don't go back. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, I remember, in the you know, talking about river monsters. Even in that episode, the same the same had happened. So that's, that's unique. It's interesting. But to your point, the biomass and those gigantic rivers where nobody's catching them. I don't know if they're running nets and stuff unknown, out there. But... Unknown, completely unknown. Yeah. Look at the size of the Congo River. Very interesting. Do you, now, do you catch other stuff out there other than that? I mean, what are some of the other species out there? I, I used to do a lot, yeah. But now I could, just can't be asked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I mean, I've online fish up the giraffe catfish. We've had, um, I think I've caught two of them on worms now. Online. Um, giraffe like a bream, like an R size bream. But there's so many unknown species in the Congo River. It's like pulling a net full of Sesame Street up. Everything's interesting, everything's colorful, everything's bizarre. It's, it's it's an amazing, an amazing place to just yeah. even fish. <laughs> a fisherman's boat comes past. It's, you always stop them. You want to have a good route through, and some of the fish are absolutely incredible, unique. Yeah. How much of the year are you spending there? I'm just wondering, like, has it, has this slow, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a species that you can really dial in, but is it getting to a point where year over year, you're kind of close, like the walls are closing in on these fish, and you're like, no. I think we're figuring these things out. Or do they just remain a mystery? No. It's, um, I can't figure it out, I'd say. But um, there's no dialing into it. I've proved that. I've gone and caught them in every um, every level of water there is known to man and every different season known to man. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like to be there now. It's um, there's been a lot of rain in the north in Brazzaville and Kazarsha. God almighty. It's um, the highest the water levels have ever been in 60 years. <laughs> Impossible to fish now, but um, I have been what I class as high level water. But the problem is when it went, when the water's going up and if it starts covering the banks or starts getting anywhere near the banks and the, the rocky points and everything else, all the currents change. You're fishing on top of that. It's fucking impossible, man. Yeah. That's why I've got it in the program. People are, well, I want to go in December. Well, I want to go in fucking January. Well, I want to go in. Look, <laughs> another question I get asked as well. After I've sent the program out, can you tell me what best time of year it is to go? Yeah. The months what I'm fucking advertising. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> you June up till September and. March, the spawning in in February, end end of January, February, right? But the water's very high, so coming even late spawn, you know, could be the end of February. In March, there's a short dry season, end of February into March, so the waters are coming down. But they've just been. That's why I said to you before about the male and females, the bigger ones being congregated together. March is the time for the bigger fish. And I mean, more of a guaranteed chance of the biggest fish. Now, is that like, what is that? The post-spawn? Like, they're just finishing up? They're probably hungry after spawning, I would they, think. They've, they've got slack bellies. They've, yeah. 
females, but it's funny how they're still together with the males. The males are still there and females. I mean, they, they could be still fertilising. I don't fucking know. I've not yeah. worked far out, but they, they are together. I mean, last March we had 21.5 kilo, 27 kilo, 31.5 kilo, and 35.5 kilo. One trip. Yeesh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know what, like, you know, but if you're out there for... You... The elements are nice. You can be pissing it down and freezing fucking cold. And if it's raining up and there's a lot of cold water going in, that can knock the fishing on the head. But you can be freezing cold, wet. There's every insect in the planet wanting to eat you there. Um... Yeah, how about that? The insect thing. You've had some bouts with uh, malaria, either there or somewhere else, right? Like, no, I've 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 got malaria in me now. It's but I had a really bad bad day with it. Really fucking bad. I must have had a, a really bad strain. But the problem, <sighs> two of my lads was very very poorly. I had to send money for them to get taken into hospital and have drips put in and one thing or another. And unfortunately, I mean, this is painstaking, but this is real life on the Congo. Um, two children died whilst I was there as well, one of malaria and um, the second child we, we tried to help and we left for Brazzaville, we come back in the boat. The boy got even more poorly. The dad got on the big wood boat, it took 24 hours. They got into Brazzaville 24 hours after me leaving, rang me up, not me, rang Cabamba up and said, listen, can David send some money to the hospital? Mm. What's going on? He's got yellow fever. That's no problem. Send some money. You just nip over the road. They're like, it's just a shack. You just send the money. It's, it comes up on your mobile phone. You can go back to one of them shacks, get the money out. Send about 30 euros. I was just... Just having something to eat before they're just leaving the hotel. I'm just getting something to to eat, and his father rang and said he died. Oh my gosh! Mm. It's mm. life there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that, the malaria is there's there's different strains in there. And that that it, it, I don't. My wife got all my. It was unbelievable that week. She said I was like a corpse in bed. She said when she was coming in the bedroom, I was sort of going, look like I was dead in the bed. And I'll tell you what else it did to me. I mean, it was it was strange. How it came on me as well. I came back. I landed at Manchester at eight o'clock in the morning. I got immediately home. Straight away, I'm, I'm I'm straight in the car and I'm out checking all the sites when um, boys have been up to them one thing or another. And that's generally how I spend my first day back. I'm out of the house till I'll burn out probably two two p.m. in the afternoon. Then I'll come home and I'll sit on my sofa, get my blanket, watch watch Netflix or something like that. Yeah. Wait for weeks. <clears throat> I got back to the house about three o'clock in the afternoon. Fine. Sat down in the lounge. Maybe 30 minutes later, I was absolutely freezing cold. Ooh. Not a drop of energy out of me, and my temperature was 40-odd. And I couldn't even... I had to call my wife to get me a blanket off the other side of the sofa. I couldn't even get to it. 
and I, I spent I had to have two boxes of treatment as well to get rid of the fucker. Gosh. Is there like preventative measures you can take before even going there? Like, of course there is. Yeah. I just didn't have any, did I? Yeah, well. <laughs> Jeez, man. I don't but know. I, it's... After that, I do make sure everybody's taking the malaria tablets. It's just not worth it. The problem is, it's all right for me. I'm, I'm all, that paranoid about it. I have loads of medication for it. Are you with me? So luckily, yeah. I've got everything anyway. And over there, the medication costs nothing. But you've got to get it into your system as soon as you know. The other one, it's like the flu, the joints. Oh, it's like somebody's moved into you. It, the operation I had in my back, it seemed to attack around around where I had the big implant as well. And I'm talking pain, really, more than anything. And you just, you've, you, I was that poorly, I couldn't even feel sorry for myself. I was, I was done in, honestly. Gosh. The other one was the um, the two mango worms, I reckon, they were in my neck. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I saw. I was like, oh, my oh, gosh. Disgusting. I don't know if it was like bot flies or what it was. They made me do my own swabs at the hospital. They wouldn't even come near it. And that was about four sets of antibiotics. Yeah. Love scar on me there. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Well, do you have plans on going back? Are you heading back? I should year? be there now. I should, should should actually be there now, but um, because of the elections in the DRC, okay, I had to actually cancel my flight last Thursday, and I was flying at six pm on Thursday, so I should have only been coming back this this weekend. Yeah, are you only going there if you have like scheduled booked trips, or are you just going there? And if nobody's booked, no problem. It's now we're just exploring. Unfortunately, there won't be. I'll have to tag people along, you and me, because that's another problem. A lot of people want to go with me. It's it, it's hard, but listen, I don't like people. <laughs> yeah. Send me on my own. You with me? I, yeah. I, I don't need anybody to hold me hand, and I certainly don't. I, I'll look after people who join me, but I need my own space. You with me? Yeah, yeah. I can relate. Oddly enough, and then here I am. I call people all the time and ask, ask them to talk about fishing. But on my own accord, I am the consummate loner. Um, but stuff like that, man, it's like I don't know. I just think men are thirsty for adventure, probably more now than ever before, or they certainly need it more now than ever before. And it seems like there's just less and less options to do it. But what you're doing is like. As to me, it's like the final frontier or like the last frontier of freshwater fishing. It's like that's that's the adventure, like that's the real just gnarly one. But um, yeah, I was I mean, curious I, if you I've been a fisherman all my life, but before I met my wife 10 years ago, and before that, I was spending a lot of time in Thailand and Asia, and I wasn't fishing for fucking fish either. <laughs> With me, I was doing what men did. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of fishing in the meantime, and then when I first got with my wife, I was still going traveling, and I, I, I obviously realized I liked her, and I thought I, I need to be doing something else. It's a joke that it's going to Thailand and one thing and another, and um, that's what got me doing what I do today ten years ago. Yeah, 
I'd done Mechanenza and fucking Casp and France and all that when I was younger. And I just, I did quite a bit of fishing in Thailand when, when I was there because it's, it's so easy to go on a, I call them a pay pond. You've got monster species, you've got every species. You go there. I mean, if, you, if you're that lame with it, you can even have your rod cast in there. It's not fishing. <laughs> right. But, I'm a fisherman. You go and wet your line. I did a lot of that in Thailand. I, was, I did a lot of... Um, I'll tell you what else I did in Thailand as well, which is it's totally illegal now, unfortunately. But I fished a lot for the um, giant stingrays on the... Uh, yeah, yeah, I heard that that's illegal now. It's interesting. Um, and I also... I fished a few wild dams in Thailand. But again, I was... Sometimes I was there for a month, six weeks at a time. You can't just spend... Week in, week out, boozing and doing what men do on the, on their own in, in places like that. I just used to disappear fishing and one thing or another. Yeah. And I, 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 I sort of had the ambition to go and catch those species in the wilds. And that's what I've done. Yeah, that's an interesting place. That's one I've actually thought about for maybe potentially next year. But it's like, Where? you know, some of the, I don't know yet. I've got a connection that lives there. Um, I'm actually going to Suriname with him and march and then uh, funny you mentioned casp i'll be there in april um and i'm going with him both of those places but well, you he... like casp because it's it's mechanisms but casp you, you're getting out in the wilds it's nice honestly yeah. you will really enjoy it but well, th- this guy they're this... all fat fucking pellet fed catfish yeah. took a lot of bait out they're not even interested in them Right, I know. <laughs> it's all how that river fishes. Yeah, I've never. I mean, that'll be a brand new one for me. But this particular guy, this is just an idea. I don't know if it's something I'm necessarily interested in trying. But he has caught the goonch catfish on Lamoe River. This river, but right. be- between Myanmar and Thailand. Oh the, yeah, they're a different sort of goonch. Yeah, it's I think not- they might be. What did you say that river was called? Moe, Maui, Maui. Oh, I don't no. know how. To- it's M. I think it's M O E I. No, it's it's not. Well, they might be in several rivers, but according to him, it's like kind of dangerous because nah, I don't yeah, know. It's, it's dangerous because like, it's no man's land. Yeah, you're not. I don't it's think run, it's run by a military group. Apparently. Right. There's like some unrest yeah. going on you there. Know, but... What is that river called? <laughs> Are you going to drive me mad now? I had an obsession with that river years ago because there's a there's a program with Zeb Ogan. And he he has fished that river. Yeah, yeah, I I know I knew that he was in that area. No, he, but, uh, he's, he's on the boat, the Salween River. That's what it's called, the Salween. Okay, that's right. Yeah, I remember the name yeah, of that one. I think Salween. is that not the same river? I think it like becomes that at some level the further north you go. Anyway, where, where you're talking about it's the Salween River. Yeah, I think they like. Further south, it's I don't I might I should have checked my geography first. Now we're just rambling, but you know, you look at that. I know you've done the goonch in India, but then I look at that one, I'm like, that just seems like I don't think it's the same species as the goonch. I genuinely don't. Like the like the tigerfish, there's there's four different species of tigerfish. Yeah. Yeah, that was why I was curious about the fly, the fly caught ones. I think there's one called like a blue tiger fish that almost looks like a yeah, the Tanzanian blue. Like, oh, yeah, the nice fish, but it's not a Goliath. Are you with yeah. Me? Well, I mean, I could talk about the Goliath all day, but David, I've probably eaten up a lot of your time. I know I'm like you. I have 
I, have... I was like a little um, a snail inside Michelle when I first started, but no, yeah, so well, that's... Nice. I, you know what? I've been on a, a couple of podcasts myself. I to this day I can't even go back and listen to the first ones I was on because I was like, you know, I was just like, it felt weird. You know what I mean? But um, but yeah. Anyway, like like you, I think you got daughters. I got daughters. I got two young daughters who I need to be going oh, and picking up from young. school soon. But um, man. We will be in touch. Now, listen, I know you probably get a lot of dreamer. Uh, I never like to put out what my plans are into the into the world. I have like the superstition that if you talk about it, you're you're it won't work out for you. When you whenever you're ready. Isn't but it? Um, but that is, you know, I know, like I said, I know you get a lot of inquiries from dreamers and 400 emails, but only 10 serious anglers. But uh, for me right now, I'm like, it's either. 2025 or with almost near certainty 2026 but i'm like budgeting now like, anywhere, honestly. that's the one that, that's the one i gotta do but uh yeah man i appreciate your time and uh i look forward to seeing the next ones that you catch because baddest fish on the planet as far as i'm concerned so if I can pull up somewhere more special for you in the south eh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right man well it was good talking to you marvelous thank you yep. Thank you for listening to Boundless Pursuit. Tune in each week as we bring stories and insight from uniquely talented anglers and outdoorsmen. And if you enjoyed this show, I want to hear from you. Be sure to leave a five-star review as this is going to drive the growth and exposure of this show. And if you have feedback or guest suggestions, I would love to hear from you. And you can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com. For all other collections of media and contact information, please visit www.boundless-pursuit.com.